Welcome to the FaithBridge Sermon Podcast. Be sure to keep watching immediately after the sermon for Postscript, a weekly podcast with in-depth content and answers to your questions submitted during the sermon. You can also find it on iTunes or at faithbridge.org slash postscript. It's pretty emotional driving through some of these communities. You could see there was nothing but water across the street. You could see people trying to be rescued by a boat walking through with their pets through the water and the muck. I don't think anything up to this date had prepared me for the magnitude um, and the sheer devastation of what we're up against right now and, and the needs of this community. I got involved with Helping Hands about a year and a half ago, right after the uh, tax day crisis, you know, and the flooding. How are you guys doing? I mean, I, I, the, besides the obvious, you have a place to sleep, we're, we're in you've got shelter. Yeah. Okay, how's the structure? What, uh, I haven't been inside yet, but. Everything from about five foot or so above the floor level is stripped. You know, Texas is a big state. The 2,200 square miles of devastation that went from urban asphalt to everything went underwater. Days later, the water starts to subside. And as you get an opportunity to see some of the most unique situations, people that have lost everything are serving other people that have lost everything. Hello, how are you? Hello, Amanda. John McDonald, nice Nice to meet you you as well. Thank you. It's overwhelming to realize that there is struggle, um, but there's brotherhood, there's faith, there's hope. We're not alone here, and it's just been an absolute blessing um, to experience that. I think uh, I'm going to quote this wrong. I think it's Isaiah 16:3, maybe. Um, it's beauty for ashes, you know. is heavy and hearts are low um, and to be on these projects and hearing laughter and knowing that there's there's going to be a tomorrow and that there's going to be somebody there with you it's uh, it's pretty humbling Drisco holes all the way just toe kicks only we can even do the same above the sole plate here I think the reason Faith Bridge is so outstanding and is working as well as it does in situations like this is because they have built uh, a pyramid of God first, friends, family, and relationships second, and the physical brick, mortar, and roof of the church is third. They have made made the people come before that. And uh, I believe the success of our church is in the relationships with one another. Hey, this is John from Faith Bridge. Just checking in, I got your text.
God, I pray that you would be over this house and that you would bring joy, peace, and understanding. I also pray that you would bring resolution quickly. And I'm thankful for all the friends and people that care for Kyle that are here to take care of her. God, I thank you for her. We love you and we appreciate you. Amen. Amen. I had the chance to uh, go around with John <clears throat> this week, just riding with him, and was just so grateful that God had brought him to our staff here about a half a year ago. Little did we know uh, what was coming our way, and uh, how grateful I am for him and for um, you. Um, I I want to start in a. Uh, a little bit of a different way. I, I want to share with you a verse that comes from 1 Thessalonians uh, chapter 5. It says, Therefore, encourage one another, build each other up, brothers and sisters, acknowledge those who work hard among you, hold them in the highest regard in love because of their work. I want us to practice this principle of building one another up, holding each other up in high regard, because uh, so many of you have been doing uh, things to help this week. I'm thinking of several categories. You listen and see if you fall into one or two of these categories. The first one I'm thinking of is, let's see, Monday morning, we opened up as a shelter here. Many of you came, you started helping people with their blankets and, and clothing and all as they were coming in here, sheltering here at Faith Bridge. A number of you have gone on over to the Klein uh, schools that when the, uh, those shelters open, you've, help, you've helped over there. Others of you still um, have been out on the serving teams, uh, just like we were just watching in the video. Many of the, 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 the hundreds of you have been going out on teams. Some of you say, I haven't got to go on a faith bridge team, but I just went to my relatives um, or my friend I work with at work and just kind of got on a team there. And, and so that's great. Maybe you, uh, maybe you have brought food even this morning for, um, especially for the Title I schools that we partner with who've been out of school, and yet they kind of depend on the food that comes in uh, through the program uh, that is normally offered uh, there. You've brought extra food so that we can fortify uh, those uh, schools um, that we partner with. Others of you have made uh, special uh, offerings to the Harvey Fund. Um, and so here's what I'd like you to do. If you find yourself falling into um, any of those categories, would you stand up right now? All right? Would you just go ahead and stand? Now, Scripture says there in 1 Thessalonians 5 that we should encourage one another. I think we should say thank you and... We hold you in the highest regard. As Paul was writing to the Thessalonians, thank you for what you're doing. Others of you who, who you haven't been able to stand yet, but some of you have said, I kind of said, I'm going to wait till that second week because I know there's a flurry of activity, but then uh, I'm going to step in at that point uh, if the troops 
uh, are, uh, you know, sometimes people have to go back to work and this sort of thing. That's when I'm going to come in. Thank you ahead of time for the things that you're, uh, that you're going to do. So I was asking the Lord, uh, what do you want me to preach about uh, today? This is such a unique kind of day in the aftermath of uh, the biggest storm Houston, I think, has ever had. And the Lord reminded me, well, you started a series on the life of David two weeks ago. And <clears throat> the text today puts you in one of the best-known, most-loved stories of the whole Bible, a story of courage overcoming fear, of the small person overcoming the giant of David and Goliath seems to me, I began to feel the Holy Spirit saying to me, you're in the perfect text as Houston faces the biggest giant storm we have ever faced and such a heaviness um, and a, a, a sort of a, a weightiness in people's souls um, why don't you stay with that? And so that's what we're going to do today. Take your Bibles and we'll go to 1 Samuel 17 in the Old Testament. 1 Samuel 17. And if you need a Bible, you can flag down an usher and, uh, in all our rooms. Um, and if you're watching online and some of you even texted in saying, Pastor Ken, we can't be there because we're at our house and there's damage and we're working on it and we're watching this way and blessings to you um, wherever you are and however you're seeing this uh, today. So 1 Samuel 17 is, is where we're going to go to. Let me just give you the background to, to sort of lead us into what we're going to look at today. Two weeks ago, we got started on the story of David, and we were talking about how he was a shepherd boy out in Bethlehem, serving his father, Jesse, and taking care of the sheep. And one day, a prophet named Samuel came, and he said to uh, Jesse, I need to see all your boys because uh, the Lord has told me something uh, that I need to do. What he was going to do is pour oil on the head of the one who was going to be the future king of Israel because God had decided King Saul was no longer going to be fit to be the king of Israel. And so what was going to happen in the next few moments was the second king of Israel was going to be anointed. And so uh, Jesse lined up his seven sons and God said, no, 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 all the way down. And finally, he looked at Jesse, Samuel, and he said, so don't you have any other sons? And he says, well, yeah, I got one other one, but he's a kid. He's, he's the runt of the litter. That's the literal word that, word that he used, remember, two weeks ago? And he's out in the fields. Go get him. So they went and got him. And as soon as he walked in the door, God said to Samuel, anoint him. That's my man. And he pours this oil on him, and his father's practically having to, to explain to him, this means that you're going to be the next king of Israel. And so it's sort of a surreal experience that David's having, and, but nothing really happens immediately, so he goes back out to the fields afterwards, and he keeps doing his shepherding. Well, in the passing of a little bit of time now, the three eldest brothers of David are off at battle. Which begs the question, well, who are they at battle against? They were at battle against a group of people called the Philistines. The Philistines had, uh, well, a lot of problems. They were a darkly sensual culture. 
uh, and they did uh, a lot of what we use the terms today, human trafficking. Uh, and prostitution and all it was a parts of their worship. Uh, it was a very dark uh, culture and a very warlike, aggressive culture. The Philistines they were always uh, trying to take expansive and take more uh, land. And now they'd set their sights on Judah. The only thing about that is. God, centuries earlier, had taken a certain group of people uh, <clears throat> that we call the Israelites, and he had said to them, now, you're going to be a special people, a chosen people. I'm going to be your God, and you're going to be my people. And I'm even going to give you some special land, and you will live on that land, and if anybody ever messes with you or your land, they're not just messing with you, they're messing with me. That's the background uh, going in to the story that you have to understand. So let's come in to 1 Samuel chapter 17, starting in verse 4. <clears throat> now, a champion named Goliath, who was from Gath, he came out of the Philistine camp. He was over nine feet tall. He had bronze helmet on his head and wore coat of scale armor, bronze weighing 5,000 shekels. That's about 200 pounds worth of bronze. And on his leg, he wore bronze greaves. Whatever bronze greaves. I had to look it up. It's, it's these things that they, they went all over his legs and they're bronze, like shin guard kind of thing. And bronze javelin slung on his back and a spear shaft was like a weaver's rod and an iron point weighed about 20 pounds. His shield bearer went ahead of him. And Goliath stood and he shouted at the ranks of Israel, why do you come out and line up for battle? Am I not a Philistine and are you not the servants of Saul? Choose a man and have him come down to me. And if he's able to fight and kill me, we'll become your subjects. But if I overcome him and kill him, you'll become our subjects and servants. And this, then the Philistines said, this day I defy the armies of Israel. Give me a man. Let us fight against each other. On hearing the Philistines' words, Saul and all the Israelites were dismayed and terrified. Now you have to understand that there's something that's going on here that doesn't make a whole lot of sense. And that is you have on one hill, one mountain, the Israelites. And then you have on this other mountain, the Philistines. And you have this valley called the Valley of Elah in between. And back in those days, there was a thing called representative warfare, representative battle. The whole concept being, why should we take thousands of people and all this bloodshed? Now, let's just send our best one. Each of us will pick our best warrior and just put them in the center of the ring and we'll just watch what happens. If our guy wins, you'll become our slaves. If your guy wins, we'll become your slaves. It's called representative uh, warfare. And so that's exactly what Goliath is challenging. He's nine feet tall. He's huge. And he's gone down into this valley of Elah for 40 days when the story picks up there. 40 days he's been taunting them. He's been saying, enough already. Aren't you ready? Send your best. We'll get this thing settled today. 40 days. The Israelites have been back on their heels. They're like, oh my gosh, this is terrible. Who can do The only one person who all eyes fell upon was King Saul. 
After all, he, remember from a couple of weeks ago, he was the biggest, strongest, handsomest of them all. The scholars suggest he was probably well into six foot six or something like that, which was huge, but not huge like Goliath huge. This would have been a time, if there ever was a time, for Saul to demonstrate courage and character and stand up and step in and remember, hey, I am on kind of God's side. We're his chosen people. These guys are trying to take our land. God had said he's always going to protect us. He's always going to protect our land. Don't we have a little home field advantage here? That was the opportunity for Saul to do what he should have done. He was not doing it. Why? He was focused on Goliath. He was like, oh, my gosh. We don't stand a chance. All the Israelite, the whole army was like that. This is the situation when David pulls up. Why was he pulling up? Because his father had made a care package and said, I want you to take some cheese and crackers to your three eldest brothers. And you'll be a good messenger. So you take them some some, uh, refreshments there and just check on them and see how they're doing. And, And so David pulls up and he sees in everybody's eyes this fear, this desperation, this dismay. They're scared to death. He's like, what is going on? And at this point, um, he begins to ask a few questions. Let's let's look at verse uh, 26. David asked the men standing near him, well, um, what will be done for the man who kills this Philistine and removes this disgrace from Israel? Who is this uncircumcised flisting Goliath that he should defy the armies of the living God? Aren't we the, like the, don't we have God on our side? Isn't this our property? Didn't he tell us that? Well, they repeated to him what they'd been saying, and they told him, this is what will be done for the man who kills that man. From verse 25b, you're going to have great wealth, you'll have lifetime tax exemption, and you'll get to marry the king's daughter. Not bad prizes, all right? When Eliab, verse 28, David's oldest brother heard David speaking with the men, he burned with anger at him and he asked, why have you come down here? And with whom did you leave those few sheep in the desert? I know how conceited you are and how wicked your heart is. You come down only to watch the battle. You came down only to watch the battle. I think it's pretty clear to say here, Um, Eliab still has a little bitterness in his heart, remember, because he was the first one standing in the progression two weeks ago when um, uh, Samuel had come to anoint the the, the king. I think he's a little bitter that he got passed over and that the the shepherd boy comes in from the outside and he gets the oil on his head. Um, You kind of pick that up a little bit. Verse verse 29, David's like, what what have I, now what have I done? Can't I even speak? And then he turned away to somebody else, and he brought up the same matter. And men answered him as before. Well, you get wealth, you get tax exemption, and you get the king's daughter. I think it's noteworthy here, uh, especially in these very stressful times where uh, emotions are running very high, sleep deprivation is running high, um, patience is running low, especially the closer to uh, one of the homes that has uh, been uh, hit and some of you are in those homes or very close to them. You've been working in them or you have relatives or good friends. It's, I think it's important to, to remember in situations like this, it's very easy when we're exhausted to turn to our brother or our sister or our mother or our father and to start to think you're the enemy. I love that David did not do that. He was like, 
big brother, you're not the enemy. That's the enemy. So he decided he'd just sort of st- sidestep his brother's feelings, and he went to somebody else to get the information. Not a bad suggestion for all of us when we're all a little bit exhausted. Not to you know, just give people a little space. He gave his brother space, got the information he needed for somebody else. Verse 31, what David said was overheard and reported to Saul. And so King Saul sends for David. David said to Saul, let no one lose heart on account of this Philistine. Your servant will go and fight him. In other words, king, I'm here. I'm a shepherd boy. I see you got a problem. But, you know, if it's all the same to you, I'll just go and take care of the problem before I head on back home to my sheep. Okay? And at this point, King Saul's like, what? You're not not able to go out against this Philistine and fight him. You're just a boy. And he's been a fighting man from his youth. Now, don't miss this. Verse 34. But David said to Saul, your servant has been keeping his father's sheep. Need I say more? When a lion or a bear came and carried off the sheep from a sheep from the flock i went after it and i struck it and i rescued the sheep from its mouth when it turned on me i seized it by the hair struck it killed it your servant has killed both a lion and a bear this uncircumcised philistine he'll be like one of them cuz he has defied the armies of the living god The Lord, who's delivered me from the paw of the lion and the paw of the bear, will deliver me from the hand of the Philistine. I think it's very significant here that David, was he being cocky? Was he saying, I can take him out because look at these guns. No, that's not what he was doing. Not at all. He, He was simply referencing the times that the Lord had delivered him in the past. He was saying, hey, wait, king, I I fought a bear, I fought a lion, I killed him. I mean, it's not like really me. God helped me to do that. And I I just have the faith that he will help me to do that again. See, Saul's problem and the Israelites' army problem, all they could see was Goliath. All they could see was this giant that was standing in front of them. David, on the other hand, all he could focus upon is God's track record. He's brought me through this. He's brought me through this. He's brought me through this. He will surely bring me through this. It had everything to do with his focus, which I think is a salient point here for us, especially in the midst of tragedy, especially in the midst of loss, recovery from flood, and all the things that we're going through as a city. What has your mind has you. Now, what you stare at, I'm telling you, it will shape your outlook. I had to, I I was, uh, on one of the days when I was riding around with John, um, after home, after home, after home, finally, I just found myself sitting in the car and just sort of wanting to, to, curl up or and cry and or vomit or just all these things that the the senses just and and it was about then I felt like the the Lord said wait 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 what what has your mind has you yes all of that is real yes all of it is terrible yes all of it is broken but put your mind back on me and it was at that point I began to stand up or sit up a little bit taller and go back and say, okay, I'm, I can't, I mean, I'm looking at that, but I'm not going to gaze at that. I'm going to look past that to my Savior. And that's what David was doing. He was saying, hey, you guys can't see any farther than Goliath, but I can see farther than Goliath. 
I can see the Savior. I can see our great God who's brought me through these sorts of things before. So let's look past that. Verse 37, Saul said to David, all right then, go and the Lord be with you. And then Saul dressed David in his own tunic, and he put a coat of armor on him and bronze helmet on his head, and David fastened on his sword and his tunic and tried to walk around. But he was not used to them. And he said to Saul, I cannot go in these because I am not used to them. So he took them off. You have to picture what was going on. Saul, like I said, he's probably about six foot six, so he's probably a good 48 extra long. And David was a 36 short, you know, and so he's, he's looking like a little child wearing his father's suit, and, and he's putting on this armor, and he's like, uh, you know, I really don't think I'm going to be my best if, if I do it this way. I, I, I need to probably just do it the way I know how to do it, and that's with some stones and a slingshot, because I, I, I'm good with, I, I have practiced with that, and God has used that before. He will use that again. And I think maybe here would be a good time for me just to pull off onto the side of the road and just to give us a little pep talk as a church and and try to explain something. In the midst of the aftermath of the tragedy, uh, we've observed something that's happening, and that is the collective overwhelming sense of, I want to do something. I need to do something. I will do something. You uh, might want to think about doing this church. I've seen this church over here doing that. Could we start one of those real quickly? And and what we've had to to realize is in the midst of this aftermath of the tragedy, there's a lot of lanes on the highway, but we can't put a car in every lane and do it well. And so it was yesterday afternoon, uh, Pastor Dan sent us uh, an email, or he sent us the staff. He said, let me explain something. Okay, we love everybody and we're grateful for everybody's heart and every good idea that's coming in and there's so many good ideas and yes, this church is doing this and yes, this church is doing this and yes, that and yes, that ministry and yes, one of those. And he says, but what we are doing better than anybody because we have experience with it. We do it on the road. We send out teams. We know how to get teams organized and well-led. We've sent out hundreds and hundreds of people who are going out, they're doing the the muck and the mud and the digging out and the tearing out the the drywall. And we know how to do that. That's the lane we're going to stay in, okay? Because we're doing that better than a lot of other people. Nothing against all those. Those are great ideas and that's good. But we can't put a car in every lane. We have to stay in our lane. Our lane is going to be that and food, Okay, because of our bridging for tomorrow uh, ministry and the partnership with the schools that need the food and all that. So we'll collect the food and increasingly, but keep checking, you know, Facebook and the app and the website because this kind of changes every day. But more and more, we're going to now need the masks and some of these, you know, kind of things that sort of... uh, just require in the gloves. We're going to have to have those things coming into the list as well. But just keep looking, all right? And, and please, 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 don't, no hurt feelings. If you're like, but I had this great idea and the church said we're, we're going to think about it, but you know, maybe not. And, but that's not personal. It's just us trying to, to do a couple of lanes really well in God's great kingdom while a lot of other good churches and ministries are doing their lanes really well. Okay, and that's essentially what David was saying to King Saul. Look, you you do all this armor and all this really well. I can't do this well, but I know how to do 
this. So I'm going to stay in my lane, if that's okay with you, Saul. And I'm just going to do it the way that God kind of has worked well through me in the past. Okay, let's see what happens. Verse 40, then he took his staff in his hand and he chose five smooth stones for the stream, from the stream, and he put them into his pouch, into his shepherd's bag. And with his sling in his hand, he approached the Philistine. Meanwhile, the Philistine, with his shield bearer in front of him, kept coming closer to David. He looked David over and he saw that he was only a boy, ruddy and handsome, and he despised him. And he said to David, Am I a dog that you come out to me with sticks? And the Philistine cursed David by his gods. Come here, he said. I'll give your flesh to the birds of the air and the beasts of the field. And David said to the Philistine, you come against me with sword and spear and javelin, but I come against you in the name of the Lord Almighty, the God of the armies of Israel, whom you have defied. And this day... The Lord will hand you over to me, and I will strike you down, and I will cut off your head, and today I'll give the carcasses of the Philistine army to the birds of the air and the beasts of the field, and the whole world will know there is a God in Israel. And all those gathered here will know that it's not by sword or spear that the Lord saves, for the battle is the Lord's, and he will give you into our hands. So here we go, verse 48. And the, as the Philistine moved closer to attack him, David ran quickly toward the battle line to meet him. And he reached into his bag and took out a stone and slung it and struck the Philistine on the forehead. And the stone sank into his forehead and he fell face down on the ground. And David triumphed over the Philistine with a sling and a stone without a sword in his hand. He struck down the Philistine and killed him. Verse 51, and then David ran and he stood over him and he took hold of the Philistine's sword and he drew it from the scabbard. And after he'd killed him, he cut off the giant's head with a sword. Now, here's the most important part of the whole talk. I want to work on our application of it, okay? Louis Giglio in his very good book, called Goliath Must Fall, points out there's, there's all sorts of giants in all of our lives. Yes, there is a huge one in a lot of our lives right now in varying shades, the flood, the aftermath, the recovery. Some of you are like, oh my gosh, where are we gonna go? Where are we gonna stay? How are we gonna pay for this? Some of you are like, we didn't, we didn't have the flood insurance. And, and so what on earth is going to happen? And you, you, you are facing that giant. Others of you, you say, you know, I almost have survivor's guilt. I didn't get into that giant. Although I'm helping those people with the, that giant, but I have a different giant. My giant is my marriage. My giant is my um, uh, something with our children. Um, my giant's my job. My giant's my uh, addiction. Because uh, I have this addiction to pornography or this addiction to drugs or, or to alcohol. In fact, one of the people I was talking to just several days ago who has been uh, victimized from the flood, who is recovering and has been sober, sober for three years, I said to the person, I said, now, you know the devil is going to come after you with more temptation in these fragile times in your soul than ever. The person said, oh, yes, don't think I haven't thought about it. Um, person said, but I know that I know that I know what that will lead to. I said, okay. 
But, but all of us have giants is the point. You just gotta, some of us, it's fear, self-esteem issues, anxiety, all these sorts of things. And, and here's the temptation. To, to come to a story like this, and we read it, and we feel inspired, and, and, but we can accidentally make the wrong application. What's the wrong application? The wrong application is to say, all right, David did it, and so will I. Rolling up my sleeves, I'm getting my stones out, I'm getting my, I mean, we're gonna, I'm gonna do, you inspired me, pastor. No, 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 that's the wrong application. You know why? I'll tell you why. Because you're not that good. All right? And, and, and I can't keep you inspired. I mean, you're going to leave here and, and you're going to go back and you're going to face your giant. Soon you're going to see it in the next hour or two or tomorrow morning or the next morning. You, and you'll see that giant and no matter how inspired you are right now, you'll be like, yeah, and you'll fold like a, a lawn chair because you're not that good. I'm not that good. None of us are that good. So you say, okay, well, so what, what is the right app? Okay, this is, the, this is what I really want you to get. Uh, the key to understanding and applying this story appropriately, I think, comes not from the verses that we've read today, but from the verse where we left off two weeks ago. I want to go back to chapter 16, one page back, verse 13. Remember when Samuel poured the oil on David's head, what happened? Verse 13 tells us, and from that day on, the spirit of the Lord came powerfully upon David. And the next thing you know, he's facing down the giant. It has everything to do with the Holy Spirit working inside of us. Now here's, follow me. In the Old Testament, you don't have the Holy Spirit coming upon everybody. Uh, you have the Holy Spirit coming upon certain people. So you get to the book of Judges and you read about people like Othniel um, and Gideon and Samson and the Holy Spirit would come upon these people. Um, and like Samson who tore into a lion that attacked him and, and, and you know, he's, he's victorious. Why? The Holy Spirit had come upon these characters. Now you move into the New Testament and something very significant happens. You move into the New Testament and exactly what the prophet Joel had promised is going to happen. That the Holy Spirit is going to come for all the believers. Everybody who trusts in Jesus. Everybody who, who puts their faith in Jesus and has Jesus into their life. That person gets the Holy Spirit. Not just a few choice people like young David had the Holy Spirit. Everybody gets the Spirit, and you're going to see something, especially when you go through the New Testament, that I think is so significant here. And that is, whenever people are filled with the Holy Spirit, you see two qualities. The quality of courage and the quality of joy. You see it in the Old Testament, whenever these characters had the Holy Spirit, they got very courageous. You certainly see that when you move into the New Testament. You, you have these New Testament characters like in chapter 431. Finally, they're saying, Jesus, 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 he's alive, he's alive, he's alive. We gotta tell you, we've seen him, he's raised from the dead, it's, it's amazing. Finally, the authorities pull the, the Christians aside and say, okay, look, you, you gotta muzzle it, enough of this. Either you zip it up or we're going to put you in jail or we might just kill you. 
they're like, okay, let's go talk about this. So they go back into Acts 4.31. says they went back and they came out bolder than ever. And they said, we can't stop. We got to tell people there's life. There's victory. There's a savior. There's Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. And if you got to kill us, it's okay. Because we'll be with Jesus. And then the skeptic said, they must be drunk. That's the only way you could explain what's going on. How could they have this euphoria? How could they have this confidence? How could they have this joy that just makes no sense when we're offering them the worst punishment, the worst consequences that one could get? Death. Why? They're drunk. That's what. It, and the Christians are like, nope, we haven't had a drop out. It's not that kind of spirits that we've been ingesting. It's the Holy Spirit who's working inside of us. And so what you need to realize is that courage is not the absence of fear. Rather, it's the presence of a joy that overpowers the worst of our fears. Does that make sense? It's that kind of joy that comes in through when we embrace Jesus Christ. His Holy Spirit comes into us. And daily, we can choose to be refilled with his Holy Spirit that gives us life, that manifests in this courage and this joy that the non-Christian looks at and says, I don't get it. It doesn't make any sense. How can you be standing there telling me while we're in your front yard? Yep, yep, pretty much lost everything, but it's just stuff. How can you be doing that? How can you have a smile on your face and you're even chuckling? How, that doesn't make any sense. It's because I got the Holy Spirit inside of me. And he gives me courage and a joy that surpasses all of the fears and anxieties otherwise that I would have if I didn't have Jesus residing inside of me. That's the only way that I'm making it. It's through the Holy Spirit living inside of me. You're saying, okay, I need that Holy Spirit. That's what I need right now. I need it for my giant that's called the flood. I need it for my giant that's called an addiction. I need it for my giant that has to do with a work thing. I need it for my giant at home, at my marriage, my child, my job. I need, I need that kind of Holy Spirit to come in and empower me and give me life because I feel like I am gonna curl up into a ball. I don't know if I can really go on and keep on doing this. You're saying that. You're saying, how do I get the Holy Spirit? You get the Holy Spirit by turning to Jesus and asking him to come into your heart. You say, well, I've done that. Well, good. Then what you need to do is just reactivate your soul to this good news about Jesus. Because see, a thousand years after King David, came into the world and lived this life that we're studying in these weeks, one even greater than David came, and that is Jesus, the king of all kings. And he said to us, don't worry. Oh, no, let's be clear. You can't win, but I will fight for you. I will lead you through this. And my victory will be a representative victory for you. So you can, you can stay on the mountain and I will go into the valley of death for you. And that's why he came into this world. 
Jesus did. That's why he lived the life of sinless perfection that none of us could live. And then he died the death of punishment that all of us deserved. But then he rose victorious on the third day, conquering the greatest giant that any and all of us will ever face, death. There's not a bigger giant than death. And he said, so look, we're going to start with the biggest one of all. And I'm gonna take that one out. And if you'll just tether yourself to me, you'll have the assurance that I am going to lead you through this valley of death to life. Life everlasting and abundant life here and now, okay? And doesn't it stand to reason then if I can take out the biggest giant that then we can go backwards like a progression of dominoes and we can deal with that giant and deal with that giant and that one and that one and that one. I can take them all out if I've already taken out the biggest one that you and I will ever face. You say, that sounds good. So what do I need to do? We need to get behind Jesus. Notice what happened after David had slain Goliath. All the Israelite army, they rise up in this roar of excitement and confidence, and they come charging after David toward the Philistines. They came after him. And I think that's very significant for us because the temptation for us is to say, I'll handle this one, Jesus, and we go charging towards our giants. And he's like, no, you got the sequence wrong. You can't do it on your own strength. You need me to get in front. I'm the only one who can take out your giants. But if you'll get behind me, I will take out your giants. I will infuse you with the Holy Spirit that you're going to need day by day. And sometimes right about now, hour by hour, when you feel that feeling like, I just am gonna curl up. No, you're not. Why? Because I'm gonna look at Jesus and I'm gonna let him fill me again with his Holy Spirit. I'm gonna take one step because that's about all the steps I have energy for. And when that one works, I'm gonna take the next step. And when that one works, I'll take the next step. That's the Jesus that we get behind. He says, if you'll stay behind me, I will lead you through this valley and through every valley and finally through the ultimate valley of death into life. Now, I don't know about you, but I need that Jesus in front of me. And I'm resolved to keeping that Jesus in front of me. And that's what I want for you. I don't want you going charging out of here saying, I better be like David. No, you're not David. David is Jesus. You're not good enough. You're not strong enough. Don't make the wrong application. I'm David. I'm David. I'm David. I'm going to do it. No, you won't. Only Jesus can. So let's let him go before us and take out the giant. Amen? Amen? Let's pray together. Lord, in this room is a lot of so many different emotions, so many feelings, so many giants, so many worries, so much fear. 
And it's so easy for us, like the Israelite army and Saul, to draw back on our heels to see the giants and just to quake. And even as they quaked for 40 days until finally David stepped onto the scene with fresh eyes and with fresh faith. Lord, um, we can draw back and become just like them. Lord, my prayer is that you would use this morning, this time, right here in whichever room we're sitting or whatever screen we're watching, that this would be a holy moment where we get the sequence right, where we say, I'm not David. I'm not that good. I'm not going to pretend I can psych myself up and go out and because uh, I know I will fold like a lawn chair. I want to acknowledge that you, Jesus, are the champion. You're our savior. You're our rescuer. You're the greater David who came into the world for us. And I want to follow after you. I want to be filled with your spirit that will infuse courage and joy into me that at times I won't even understand. How can I be feeling so kind of hopeful and optimistic and peaceful? And it will be that peace that surpasses all understanding that guards our hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. I want to pray, um, God, right now for uh, people who are the victims or the survivors, whichever way you look at it. Um, some of them are here today, and they got here. Others of them, they, they're not here because the, even like the, the, what I was just thinking of, the, I got the text right before coming in here. We're going to be watching, though, from here. Um, but some of us are very close to those people Maybe we're their relatives, maybe they were their friends and their small groups. I'm going to ask you in both of our rooms, um, if you are a victim or you're very close to one, uh, would you stand right now? You say, why would I stand if I'm close to one? Because we're, we're going to pray over you kind of as proxy, sort of as a substitute. You're like, that's a little different. Yeah, it is. But these are different times and we need to pray. Would you stand right now? Go ahead. In, in our rooms, if you are a victim or you're standing on behalf of somebody who can't be here right now, but we're going to pray um, right now. Good, good. All right. Very good. Good. All right. Some more of you. Good. So here's what I'm going to ask uh, those of you who are seated right now. I'm going to ask if you're seated next to somebody who just stood up, would you just put your hand over on their back? or their shoulder, just a gesture of our love and support. If you can't reach them, you just hold your hand up in a direction towards one of them, and let's just pray even now in all our rooms. God, we're lifting up these people who are standing because some of them are the victims. They have come through. They have lost, lost, lost. It's so overwhelming. It is Goliath, 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 but for this we have Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. And we're just praying, God, for these people who are standing and for those who are standing sort of as a proxy um, because we just need your Holy Spirit to run like a current from just them standing here to the people even now who are shoveling in their garage and maybe listening online or watching online. We need them, God, right now to feel your 
unction, your power, your Holy Spirit. Won't you just come, God, and infuse to us your amazing grace that sustains us, that carries us, and that gives us courage to go on and even a joy that we can't understand. Lord, we're just lifting them up right now. And we're thankful that we can be the church, that we can be the team, that we can be the body, that we can come around, that we can, as Romans 12 says, rejoice with those who are rejoicing and grieving with those who are grieving. And today we're grieving mostly with those who are grieving. But ours is not a grief that has no hope on the other end. We have you, Jesus. We know that. And we're coming back to you. We're putting our eyes not on the mess. We're putting our eyes on the Savior. Now I'm going to ask you, you be seated. I'm going to ask you if you're here and you're one of the people who've gone out on teams, our teams here at the church, or other teams, other churches, other friends, other neighbors, other relatives, you've just been out, you've been helping, you've been serving. You feel that, that sense of heaviness. Um, or even as, as one person said, soreness, soreness for muscles I haven't used in years, and, but you're using them. And we're grateful, and they're grateful, and you, but you need extra prayers right now. I'm going to ask you, would you just stand right now? I just want to pray over you. If you're a server, or you've been out, or you're going out, maybe you're fixing to go out. You're like, tomorrow's my first day. I signed up. I'm going to be on one of the teams going out tomorrow or the next day. You just stand up right now. Good. Many of you standing right now. Okay, in all our rooms. And uh, again, let's just do the thing, same thing. If you here in person can put a hand up on their shoulder, uh, you just bless them. If not, you hold out your hand in their direction. And let's just pray, Lord. Now I'm praying for my brothers and sisters who have been out serving and their shoulders are feeling heavy because it is a lot of work. It's heavy and uh, literally heavy lifting. And, but then emotionally, it's heavy too because it bears down on our souls and we see brokenness, brokenness, brokenness. But Lord, for this we have Jesus. It's this, that you, this is what we're seeing right now. You're just giving us a glimpse into what you've seen since <clears throat> sin came into the world. As you look at the world, there's brokenness, 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 and it's for this you sent Jesus. And we're grateful, God. And so I'm just praying, God, extra blessings, extra strength on every person standing right now. Won't you lift their spirits? Won't you infuse them full of you, Jesus, and of your Holy Spirit? Just empower them, fill them full of you so that they can just feel a strength coming from places they don't, I don't even know where I'm getting the strength, but I'm getting it when we'll know it's coming from you because you're a good God. You're a good father. You're a good, good father. And God, I just pray, God, that you would give us all that we need. You promised to supply us all those things that we need. Lord, I'm asking for extra riches, for extra blessings, for extra strength, for extra tenacity and perseverance. Lord, won't you give it in Jesus' name? Amen. You can be seated. Lord, now I just pray blessings on all of our people. Uh, so many in our flock are just heavy burdened, but it's for this, we have Jesus. 
And you say, trade in your heavy burden and I'll give you a lighter yoke. And so we trade, Lord. We make that exchange, all of us right now. We're asking God that you'd fill us full of your Holy Spirit. Keep our eyes on you. Help us to remember that you are God and this giant, whatever the giant is, it's not bigger than you. It would be presumptuous of us to say. Finally, God met his match. He had to lie down. He couldn't take on this one. That would be silly and presumptuous. We wouldn't do that, Lord. As bad as it is, we know that you're bigger and that you're better. You're a good, good father. Won't you carry us now? We pray all of these things in the strong name of Jesus. Amen. Welcome to Postscript. Here we hope to answer your questions and help you dig deeper into the messages and sermons at FaithBridge by talking with the teacher of the day. Hi, and welcome to Postscript. I'm Luann Riley, Grow Group and Discipleship Director, and I'm here with Pastor Ken, who just brought part two of the David message, and very timely, Goliath Must Fall, and talking about giants. Great sermon. Thank you. Um, just the Lord's timing in that it was brought this Sunday, because certainly Hurricane Harvey and what we're facing feels giant. It does. Uh, I mean, the physical part of it, but the emotional part of it, the spiritual part of it. Um, So we're just going to take a little time right now. We didn't have questions come in specifically about the sermon, but to just speak to where we are in the midst of this. Um, And so in terms of um, just the serving and donations and all the thing that Faithridge is doing to sort of move into this, what, what have you found as you've been out to be most helpful and what are things that have are not as helpful yeah, right, right now kind of give us some direction yeah there. so so uh, like I tried to mention using the metaphor of, of uh, lines you know uh, or lanes we need to we need to stay in a lane or two and the temptation in crisis is to say let's have a lane here and let's put a car over in this lane and let's do this and, and, and you can't do everything well you could try but you won't do it well and I think that's where Pastor Dan really gave our staff good guidance yesterday when he said, okay, look, this is a lane and this is a lane that mm-hmm. are our lanes. We are good at this. We've got the BFT, uh, Bridging for Tomorrow uh, deal, food, they need food. We got the teams, we, we do teams. We know how to do teams, let's do this. So I say, like, give me an example of something that's not helpful. He's like, well, I walked in a day or two ago, early in the morning, and somebody had come by the dark of night and basically dumped their garage mm-hmm. clean out on our steps. Right. And we'll assume that came from a good Yeah, because place. I feel like right you now know, everybody's like, I just want to do something. And so yeah. I, I'll just take everything that I have to give I just, and I'll just... I'll clean out my garage. Or, yeah, I've been meaning just, to do that yeah. for months mm-hmm. and I'll just leave it on the steps of the church. So it's coming from a, a, mm-hmm. a generous or altruistic or caring uh, place, but it's not the most helpful mm-hmm. because that's not our lane. Mm-hmm. And what that just means is that I've got to take two, three, four people off of what we do well out of our lane. Could you go like look through this? And some of us going to just have to be thrown away. And um, and so 
which is not to say that there aren't ministries that are saying clean out your garage and just bring everything. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I've, I've seen some posted sure. around Great. that are taking different sure. things than but us. But let's let mm-hmm. them stay in that lane. That's not our lane. And we'll stay in this lane. And if everybody will just kind of, because I'm noticing, what, six days, seven days in, every church, every ministry is, is kind of finding their lane. Mm-hmm. And I think that's the this most. This is the need. And. This is how we're going to help me. This is how mm-hmm. our, our ministry's ministry is doing mm-hmm. it. This is what we do well. This is our sling and our stones. That's Saul's armor. We're not going to put that on, but that doesn't mean that's bad. Just if that's the armor that you want or that you have, find who's driving in that lane mm-hmm. and then let's go there. Mm-hmm. I think maybe that's the most helpful thing. How do you stay current? Because it is evolving yeah. every okay. 24 mm-hmm. hours. It evolves a little bit. Mm-hmm. Now we don't need this anymore. Okay, what do we need now? Now we need this. Um, just on the app, mm-hmm. the FaithBridge app, faithbridge.org slash Harvey. Facebook page. Facebook. Um, if you just will kind of go the to The Bridging one, for Tomorrow page bridging stays updated. Bridging for Tomorrow mm-hmm. stays uh, updated as well. Mm-hmm. Um, you can stay kind of in front of uh, or, or towards the front of the curve. Mm-hmm. Um, as I was explaining to somebody yesterday, we don't feel like we're more than uh, a few hours ahead of everybody. Mm-hmm. In crisis, that's what you are, mm-hmm. is a few hours ahead. But God gives you enough and you you find your lane, like I said, and, and, and you start going. So stay current with us as we try to stay current with the needs in the community and the people that we're in touch with mm-hmm. and the ministries that's good. That yeah, that's we're talking good. to. Um, and so... We've talked about sort of from a practical side of meeting needs, um, but when these things happen, there's also a spiritual side sure. as well. Um, and a lot of people asking questions, saying things, sharing things. Um, what have you found in terms of thinking through this spiritually yeah. is sure. helpful, helpful and, and, not, and not, not helpful. helpful? Yeah. Um, you know, uh, I had... Um, communication from two different people and they were so different and I think if I flesh it out a little bit can help me answer the the question. Mm -hmm. One of the people I pulled up to uh, and his whole medical practice was wiped out and all his stuff's out in the parking lot and I walked up and just gave him a hug. First thing he said was it was our turn. Hmm. I said, now that's an interesting take. He's like, yeah, you know, everybody gets to suffer. God uses suffering to build character and perseverance. So this time it was our turn. But God's with us. I thought, okay, that is a, I, I, in fact, I went home in the next morning. I, I just journaled on that thought. And on the other hand, communication comes in. Uh, you need to lead Houston to repent. Uh, you're under judgment. Uh, these are the end times. This is the start of it. It's like, you know, that seems a little presumptuous to me. Uh, taking nothing against, I mean, I mean, I think you're doing your best to try to interpret what's going on and bless you for, for trying. But isn't that presumptuous to say that Houston gets to lead the way 
uh, into the final. I mean, weren't wasn't there a tragedy a month ago in another city? And another, there was these shootings. And another, there was the tsunami. And another, I mean, what what? That's kind of presumptuous to say it's all on you. It's all on Houston. And I say again, I don't think that's really a helpful outlook. I think it's healthier to go with a more traditional uh, biblical view, mm. namely, we live in a fallen world. Mm. This globe sprung leaks at the fall of man. And we run around and we plug a leak in this part of the world and another one pops out here and we plug a leak and it's just from the fallenness of the world. And there's suffering and there's death and there's pain and there's starvation and Houston just, it was our turn. Houston had a, hasn't had a lot of big citywide crises that I'm thinking of, and I've lived here my whole life. And so I, I think probably uh, just speaking a cautionary word about trying, because we're all trying to bring... I'm trying to make sense of it. Make <laughs> sense of it. And, and, and so, again, I'm, I'm not disparaging anybody's desire to make sense of it. I, I'd be careful, though, if you're climbing up and presuming to sit on the throne with God and say, now let me interpret what's going on. I was like, I think we might want to step down a little bit and just remember we're, we're part of this whole fallen world, all of us are. Yeah. And that's why God sent Jesus. It's for this, we have Jesus. We have a savior. Let's move away from this to, hey, it was our turn, it's Houston's turn, but for this, we have Jesus and he makes himself available. He offers us his strength and his power. So we'll draw on that. We'll go charging after him like the Israelites did after David. We'll be the army that rolls up our sleeves, puts on our work boots, goes and brings light into the community and hope and hugs and shovels. And we'll do uh, what the Lord has called mm -hmm. us to do because we're full of his Holy Spirit and because we're following the Savior that he sent us. Yeah, we have hope in the midst of, of, the, of, in the the midst of suffering. Oh. Um, and I think your message today and talking about how uh, Jesus gives us the courage yeah. and yeah. the joy right. to face what I'm sure is a lot of fear uh, from people. And so uh, it's a good message Thanks. today. Thank you for that. And thank you for joining us here for Postscript. We'll see you back here next week. Thanks for joining us for Postscript. Help us keep the podcast interactive by submitting your questions during the morning services. Learn more at faithbridge.org slash postscript.